1: do people come in and essentially lie to you? A lot of people are just really straight up honest now. They're like, yeah, I was, uh, you know, putting this up my butt and uh, I couldn't get it back out. And you're like, all right, here we are. The good.
2: Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science, the show that breaks down the science of television and movies with a comedian and a scientist. Today we're discussing jackass, so I'll ask about pain tolerance, bruising, and wasabi snooters. Hi everyone, I'm your host Ethan Enberg and I've got two fascinating guests joining me today. My first guest is a video producer and comedian who launched Don't Tell Comedy, a pop-up comedy show that is now in over 45 cities. Welcome to the show, Cole Garrett. Thanks. Thanks. Stoked to be here. I'm stoked you're here, and I'm stoked that you have adequate beverages. We are just discussing your multitude of liquids, so I'm glad to have you and your three friends on the program.
0: Yeah, we're all happy to be here. Thanks, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I want to know their names. Uh, no, so uh, my, my first question before I get to our second guest for you, because of this movie, what mm. is the dumbest, most jackass thing that you've ever done?
0: Me personally, I mean, that's in line with that kind of stuff. Oh, man. Well, I grew up in Orange County. So there's like a lot of like skateboard culture there, I think. And like, so I think I kind of, I grew up idolizing these guys for sure. So like we used to go out and we would try to reenact these things. So a lot of the things that you like see in the movie, like me and like my eight year old friends or whatever, it came out originally on MTV. We were young. But we would go out, we'd push each other around in the carts, slam them into curbs, you know. We we used to we used to live by a couple of uh, golf courses, too. And we'd do the thing where we'd go out with the air horns. And we'd <laughs> air funny. horn people right in their backswing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, that was always fun. I mean, we were always getting into stuff, too. I grew up near, like, the beaches and stuff, so... A lot of the kids that I grew up with were kind of like adrenaline junkies. So we used to like jump off a lot of cliffs into the water and stuff like that. And
2: I mean, exactly what they tell you not to do at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah.
0: exactly. And did
2: you did you take up skateboarding? Because that was also something that ever since I was little, I thought was like the epitome of cool. And I only tried it once. I fell and then immediately couldn't ever do it again. I was way too afraid.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I skated like my whole childhood. I skateboarded. uh wow. Yeah, all, all throughout Orange County. And it definitely hit a point where I was like, you know, I played a lot of sports too. And it was like skateboarding or sports because dude, you get hurt on a skateboard a lot. And then right. I kind of like gave up for like four years, started playing a lot of sports. And then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna pick up my skateboard again. And I went to a skate park and like went up and like rode this bowl and i came down and i just like hit my knee so hard and i remember just being like i'm done with this like (laughs) getting hurt is not cool anymore like i'm gonna be limping for like a week
2: (laughs) well good on you i'm i'm glad (laughs) to hear it because i really i i I can't get into that mental place of just being cool with uh serious injuries uh but our next guest is someone who takes serious injuries very seriously. He is a resident physician uh, physician, sorry, and founder of The MedLife, which has been featured on major news outlets such as NBC, CNET, Newsweek, Yahoo, Business, Fox, and U.S. World News. Welcome to the show, Dr. Adam Goodkoff. Appreciate it, Ethan. Thank you for having me absolutely i am delighted that you're here i spent the morning watching a bunch of your videos which were absolutely fantastic really love them um and uh and i gotta ask you the same thing i know you're a doctor i know you're a stand-up citizen you save human lives
1: but what's the most dumb jackass thing that you've ever done you know it's, it's funny listening to cold talk we did the same thing growing up um <laughs> i i I'm a doctor now, but, uh, I still do a lot of action sports and, uh, it was, it's kind of the same. I grew up in New York, but, uh, grew up racing motocross and, uh, you know, doing BMX and I was a big downhill mountain biker, Whoa. uh, skier, all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, we used to get in, um, my buddy who's actually my manager now, um, and set this up. We used to get a wagon in his backyard <laughs> and just launch it off on one of those, uh, ramps from Walmart, uh, <laughs> with as many people as we could in it. So it was, uh, it was more of the same Bye. and, uh, I remember someone had like impaled themselves with like a stick at one point and they they got up and they had like this like little like twig going through the side of their arm. We're like, oh, cool. All right. (laughs) Sick. We're real. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, more of the same, but uh, thankfully I do a lot less of that now and uh, try not to hurt myself and and more help other people who uh, are unfortunately in that spot. Yeah, definitely. So you, you were mentioning that there are still
2: some extreme sports that you partake in to this day?
1: Yeah, I think uh, depending on how extreme they are. I mean, I just got back from the Alps. I was skiing. Um, you know, anytime I get the chance uh, to to be outdoors, if I can go downhill mountain biking, still love doing that. And wow. uh, I wish I had the time to to do motocross. Or actually, I I had a like a Yamaha R six that was track spec uh, for a while. So I really miss riding on the track as well. That would be sometime when I have the money and time again to do it. I would I would be happy to uh, get back on the racetrack. My God! So the, seeing these injuries doesn't. Uh dissuade you you're you're still down yeah the only thing I don't do is ride motorcycles on the street anymore um I think that's just for me that's an unnecessary risk because it's, it's out of your hands uh, I see a lot of people yes. in very bad shape after that um you know in a car you can get hit by another driver and pretty much walk away these days um you're not going to walk away from a motorcycle accident so uh that's that's why I took those to the street and I, I've had no desire to come back I, I'd much rather just have a fast car Thank you for saying so, by the way. I don't know if you feel the same way,
2: Cole, but any time that I see somebody on a motorcycle, and no offense to anybody that rides, we've had guests that ride motorcycles on the show, and I've told them as well, I think it's absolutely bonkers. It just seems <laughs> like you are asking for it. Uh, even if you do walk away, it seems like you somehow you're going to be scarred for life eventually.
0: Dude, 100%. I just want to say, too, like you have got to be the coolest doctor I've ever heard of. Appreciate that. Unreal, like downhill skiing, racing, street bikes. Dr. Cool, dude. Uh I I grew up I grew up riding dirt bikes as well. Uh and actually it's funny that you guys are talking about this now because lately I've been obsessed with getting like a dual sport, something I can ride on the street and on the dirt, and I'm actually going to get my motorcycle license next week. Whoa. So this is bad timing. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: no call. Yeah. Step... Really they, think uh, it. They, they They are – actually, the reason that I couldn't ever buy a dual sport is because um, I love wheeling, and I would 100% get arrested if I had a uh, supermoto. <laughs> Dude. Dr. Wheelie. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Dude.
0: Next, you're going <laughs> to yeah. be like, and, you know, sometimes I dabble in jumping <laughs> them over canyons. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then I'll jump out of a plane and onto you a know. bike and yeah, do a half, bite. this is awesome. So you guys seem like the perfect pair to help navigate me through this movie. Um, yeah. I also will say that I just, uh, a few days ago went to the theater and watched the new Jackass movie.
1: So I, I have to ask if, Oh, okay, great. Um, uh, Dr. Goodkoff,
2: have you seen that
1: film? I, I sadly have not seen the whole thing, but we were very oh. fortunate to be part of the promotion. So I got a little bit of an early look at some of the things and, and we did some work with uh, with Paramount. So it was, uh, cool. it looks really great. I was out of the country when it came out, um, but hoping to see it.
2: Nice, yeah, it was awesome and i i was really almost trippy watching both of these so close together uh just because they've come such a long way and i know that sounds like one of the silliest things that you can say about the jackass movies but uh but it's true i mean didn't you feel like that cole like rewatching this i i I didn't remember i mean first of all it's Mm -hmm. scary how much i remember of this movie it's Mm -hmm. like i forgot so many important things in my life and yet I haven't seen this movie probably like 15 years or something, and I knew it like back to front, which was really weird. But then also just, yeah, like quality wise and stuff, it was like completely night and day from what they're doing in the new one.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Like I I actually saw the new one last night uh, for a Valentine's Day date, if that kind of gives you any (laughs) idea of what me and my fiance are like. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went out and saw that. And, uh, and then I watched, uh, I watched the old one, the original one today. And it's just like you, you said, there are some crazy differences between the two. Like one thing that I forgot about the original was just like how simple the setups used to be. Like totally. it was so simple. Like one of the ones was like, you know, Preston Lacey just goes to sit on a bench. Like that's it. He goes, nice. to, <laughs> he goes to sit on a bench and it collapses and breaks. <laughs> And it's like pants rip and then he just runs away embarrassed. And it's like, oh, my God, like this is so funny and so simple. And I was thinking, like, why, you know, why did it get so complex as the movies got further along? And one thing I was thinking was like, it's because they got like they can't do that anymore. They get recognized. So like Mm -hmm. now it's more about like the stunts and like making right. it bigger. And their budgets, I'm sure, are, have like, you know, quadrupled um, since the first movie, but yeah.
2: yeah, I was curious about the budgets, by the way, and I will say they're still small. Like the first movie I, I found was only $5 million, the budget, and it made like 80 something million dollars. And that kind of mm. goes for all of them. They've all been really successful box office hit films. Um, but even I think the new one was only like 20 million, which isn't, you know, an exorbitant amount for a film. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely a lot more creative. I loved how unexpected a lot of the, the the comedy is really of these new ones. Whereas you're right on these on the old ones, it was like guys just kind of hanging out, daring each other to do stupid crap. You know, one of the scenes from this one, for example, uh, was just called Paper Cuts, I think. And mm-hmm. it was just them hanging out like in a hotel room. And somebody with a camcorder filming uh, them give each other paper cuts. So I was like, man, it really has, you know, now we have all these contraptions, kind of Rube Goldberg, uh, you know, machines that are all kind of synced up. So anyways, I I highly recommend seeing the new one if you haven't. But today we're talking about the first one. And in this movie, there's all sorts of injuries that I want to get your... Uh, your expertise on here, uh, Adam. If I if I may call you that, or or Doc, yeah, or Doctor Cool, no. as uh, Cole has uh, <laughs> nicknamed you, Doctor Wheelie. Is fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't prefer Doctor Wheelie? Okay, interesting. No,
1: I, I I like it. I'll take it. But uh, Adam's <laughs> fine. Thank you. <laughs> okay, great. So, uh,
2: yeah. So the first one I wanted to to get to was was really just more of a an overall question for you, which is. People are known to recreate a lot of these jackass stunts, as stupid as that is. No offense to the two of you. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. So have you seen in your, uh, in your experience, people come in with, with just very silly injuries, very silly accidents that you thought, okay, maybe they were inspired by this film or something similar
1: yeah all the time uh it's a, it's a lot of what we do actually with our uh our social media platform sometimes is trying to stop these things we actually got if you remember the milk crate challenge from the summer uh it was kind of this like yes uh, they were stacking milk crates which are not meant to be stacked on an unstable surface and the problem is that people were falling from just the right height to kind of auto rotate onto their neck and break their neck so <sighs> um we we kind of did a, me and a lot of other physicians put out a lot of content basically being like stop this is not it's not funny you know there's it's funny if you fall and then you get up and everything's okay it's not funny if you're paralyzed for the rest of your life so um you know wow. TikTok started taking those videos down and so we see that all the time we were seeing it you know I'm here um in Chicago and so there's there's a lot of folks that were we doing that stuff um and yeah it was like one week um me and a ton of my colleagues were all you know texting me oh I saw another you know massive uh, humeral fracture or whatever it was from uh from from someone climbing on the milk crate so it, it is you see you see that stuff especially being in the emergency department um you know we we're the the front line of kind of a lot of stuff that comes in before our colleagues see it or repair it so um yeah we, we get it all do people come in and essentially
2: lie to you and say like oh i tripped over this thing and then you're kind of studying their
1: injury and going no you didn't this is yeah you did this on purpose I- I don't. I don't know if it's a generational thing. That's what a lot of people used to say. You know, they like slip and fell on something, and a lot of people are just really straight up honest now. They're like, "Yeah, I was uh, you know putting this up my butt, and uh, I couldn't get it back out." And you are like, "All right, well, here we are." You know, um, How, that's a, it,
2: that's actually a good segue. How dangerous is that? Because that is one of the big stunts in this movie. He puts a, a toy car uh, up his butt, and he goes right. to get an X ray, and the doctor tells him, "You're not going to be able to poop this out. You got to go to a different doctor." And, uh, I mean, unfortunately, we do see that he gets it out. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, how, how dangerous is that? I assume people should not attempt this type of stunt.
1: Yeah. So, uh, 100% you should not be putting things that cannot be retrieved up your, up your rectum. Um, there is essentially, so we see this all the time, unfortunately, and there was, again, I, I'm not gonna make everything about TikTok, but I think this is really funny. There, Like the general public made a little campaign that you shouldn't be putting anything without a flared base up your butt, and I actually fully support that that movement. because um, if you have like a flared base, it's not gonna go uh, too far up. But the problem is when something does go uh, up the rectum, that is a vacuum system. And so once it goes beyond the reach of your fingers there, um, it's it's suctioned from the top. Um, so there is no actual way to remove that. Uh, if you can't break the suction oh, once, wow, once it gets yeah, up, yeah, to a certain point. So what will happen a lot of times, cause we do remove those foreign bodies, um, frequently, especially if they're low enough and, and if it's safe enough, but the, the problem is the lining of your, uh, intestine and colon and things are not meant to have firm things in there. Um, so they, they can be very easily damaged. So you can't really go in there with tools and safely, if you can't get a good grab on it i mean in the, in this video he actually has like a condom around it i think which makes it easier to grab um but you know a lot of folks are not doing that and uh so so things it's, it's more often like bottles and things but like a, for example if you, if you picture the bottom of like a shampoo bottle or something like that it's got that little divot if that goes in the top end, that's like a suction cup. And uh, yeah, it can actually lead to having, they'll take you to the OR and they have to actually cut out part of the colon usually. There's not really a way to remove it. And so, um, you know, that's how you end up with like an ostomy bag. And so these things, yeah, they, they become pretty, I, I don't think people realize the consequences for their actions a lot of time. And that's one where definitely, uh, you know, it's a pretty serious outcome.
0: I've, I've always wanted to ask a doctor this. Did you ever see the video... That was called one man one jar by any chance? Oh, yeah.
1: I, I think I know what you're referring to. is that it it's like jar squatters, the same uh, is that the same thing?
0: Jar okay, so you've got a name for it. What was it? Jar Squatters?
1: I, I thought it was called Jar Squatter. I, okay. I, I his name. I, he, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I have it saved under that name, yep.
0: You've got a group called the Jar Squatters. Yeah, you guys yeah, meet on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, a ska <laughs> band. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. So yes, yes. Okay. So that guy, he sits on a jar. And Mm -hmm. then it explodes. Yes. What do you think happened after that? (laughs)
1: Like, is Uh, is there any
0: way to recover from that?
1: Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that is quite literally the worst case scenario. I think <laughs> what I was kind of referring to where they have to take out part of the colon. Um, you know, I'm not a general surgeon, but my understanding of that is that would, that would be the same as, you know, perforating your bowel and they'd have to go in, not only take that section out, but take all those pieces. Cause now there's, there's a communication from inside the rectum to the abdominal wall, uh, you know, inside the abdomen, I should say. And so Uh, Not only do those pieces of glass need to come out, but now you have feces inside of your abdomen, which is not supposed to be there. So you have to be washed out, antibiotics. And absolutely, if you damage the rectum, you know, to that degree, they're going to have to reattach the intestine further up to your stomach. So you basically, that's what a a colostomy is, where you're you're pooping into a bag because the stool can't pass any further. So, um, you know, now knowing what I know, it's slightly less frightening, still horrifying. But um, yeah, that's it. You know, and then you have free glass in your abdomen. So you certainly you have your giant, your aorta is in there. So you could you could cut the aorta and and bleed out from that. So it's it's pretty serious. Jesus, Jesus. So yeah. it yeah. sounds like the lesson
2: here is that although we all think of the rectum as an
1: exit, uh, things once they're up there, it's not easy for them to exit. It, it is not. No. No, it's, it's pretty hard. I mean, if you think of like reasonably the size of the average stool, um, if it's much bigger than that, it's going to be pretty hard for it to come out.
2: Okay. So I, I had to ask about, uh, I wanted to, to ask about bruising, uh, bruising the body because we see, uh, you know, a few different ways that they are getting bruised up. One, for example, we see somebody get bowling balls, uh, thrown into their crotchal region which I believe it's the scientific terminology there. And then there's another section where Johnny Knoxville gets like this riot gun projectile shot into his belly. And then, you know, he bruises up. It's like red. And then they show it two days later. And it's actually like a much bigger bruise. And it almost has like a, yeah, like a different coloration to it. And so I was just curious how that all goes down, how the body, you know, heals itself and deals with that type of uh, blunt trauma.
1: Sure. Uh, So I'll kind of do it surface level first. And if you want more, we can go there. But basically, when you injure the body or have some kind of uh, bleeding underneath the skin, you'll see bruising. And that bruising can come in the form of whatever hit you and just the damage of the capillaries, which are the small vessels in that area. Or it can be larger, you can blow out, you know, if you've ever had an IV and it blows up, you get the big bruise where they let where it was, uh, you know, where they took the IV out, there'll be kind of the purple area there. Um, that's from like leaking right out of the vein, so obviously a larger source. And then bigger if you kind of have a big injury and rupture a big vein or something like that, you're going to have you know a massive amount. Or you think of you know getting punched in the face. There's a lot of blood vessels there. You know, a, a, a ton of uh, blood will kind of come out and pool there. So what you see first is kind of that redness is just the inflammatory response to being hit in that area, um, and then you get bruising, which is that blood seeping out and kind of sitting there. And that color change is very observant. I'm impressed. Um, that's as you transition from uh, kind of fresh blood as it goes and breaks down, our body kind of breaks blood down into bilirubin, um, which is a yellow-looking pigment. So you can see yeah. it in kids, you can see it in alcoholics, but you also see it when you have a bruise breaking down. So it's kind of that looks like a banana um, as as the blood products start to break down and be dissolved. And that's kind of the last stage of the healing of a bruise. And so to go from red to purple and then purple fades into that kind of dark uh, yellow and back to skin color and then eventually kind of resolves and that blood is resorbed from the area
2: yeah because i i was concerned uh, about his his belly rupture because they were mentioning organs being down there and such and i was like almost shocked that they wasn't worse
1: yeah pretty much all of the stunts in those movies and, and especially in the latest one we were watching some of the clips you know I watch them now and I'm like man they are so so fortunate even in the, in the movie for today you know they roll the golf cart and I'm like man like he easily could have been paralyzed from that I mean just the right. position that he is on the ground and um, you know I, I've seen so much that I've seen a lot less do a lot more and so when you mm-hmm. see stuff like this you know like taking all that force to the abdomen um, you know that's just like being in a car accident uh, that amount of force and you can easily rupture your spleen you know have a laceration to the liver there's, there's a ton of serious outcomes. I wanted to ask you this. It brings up a good
2: point that these guys are asking for it. Clearly, they're going out to hurt themselves over and over and over again. And yet they're all walking around like all is chill. Do you think they have some sort of genetic predisposition to either heal up quickly or, you know, a high pain tolerance? uh, Because, you know, I, I fall down, you know, playing tennis and I'm out. For months, so why? You know what I mean. Is there? Do people just have a different, like, like athletes? Maybe they're just like bred for it somehow. And I'm just a twig. Like I'm unprepared.
1: Uh, I uh, I can't address your personal situation. I don't know in that case. But uh, I think that if you look at sports across the whole, you have you know your rugby, your football, hockey, supercross. I mean. Supercross is a great example. These guys are falling a 75-foot triple. They're coming from 20 feet down, and then they kind of fall, hit rock-hard dirt, and roll away. And I, I agree. I would not be getting up saying that was great um, <laughs> if they get back up and they finish the race. And some of these guys you know, will play football or um, or hockey and things with uh, broken ribs, um, broken right. bones in the wrist, and tape things up. And so they, there is a pain tolerance component. Um, some people are very sensitive to pain, and some people are very resistant to pain. Um, There are units and different things that you can kind of measure pain in. It's not something that we frequently do, but it's talked about. Um, And so, you know, how much something hurts and how much people are able to perceive of that pain varies. Um, So there is that component. I think there's also part of it is just a, a social component. You know, if you play hockey or you play football, the idea is that if you physically can move, you'll move. Um, And the more you do those things, you adapt to those, the body's very uh, quick to adapt. And so if you're constantly beating the body up and exposing to new levels of pain, then those, those, you know, things that are maybe a little bit less are going to become easier to tolerate and uh, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of goes from there. So that's, that's how I would guess, but uh, I agree. And like I said, watching these, you know, um, uh, if you slip and fall, it hurts and then all your bones hurt for a day and your joints are sore, you pulled your muscle, you're out of the gym for a week. Like, yeah. I, I, so I'm not sure how these guys are are launching off of these things and, and getting up and doing it again the next day.
0: I feel like some people, too, like this is going to sound kind of crazy and maybe a little stupid, but some people are just good at falling like these guys like they do it over and over. Like it's like I'll like related back to skateboarding. Like one of the things that when we used to skateboard a lot, like one of the things that you say about a good skateboarder is like you're good at falling. Because, like, you see the way that they bail off their skateboards and something. Like, do you guys know who Aaron Jaws Hamoki is?
2: (laughs) You ever heard of that guy? Tell us about Aaron Jaws Hamoki. Yeah,
0: Yeah. dude. So, Aaron Jaws Hamoki, he's a legend. He's, like, he's a pro skateboarder. And he's, like, he's best known for, like, throwing himself down, like, 30 stairs. Or, like, off of a two- or three-story building. He'll, like, ollie off of, like, these enormous heights. And, like he definitely does not ever get it on the first try so you see him just throwing his body off of these like off the off a roof and just smacking into the ground and he'll roll out of it and you're like oh he he just exploded both of his feet for sure and then he just gets up kind of like shakes it off and goes and does it again and he'll do it like sometimes 15 20 times where like wow. if i were to try it once my body would explode you know what i right. mean <laughs> like yeah. But like, he's just, he's figured out some sort of way of like lessening the impact with the way he falls. Like, I don't know. It's just weird. But like, he's just he's, great at falling.
2: He's built different, as they say. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, I, I did want to talk about a few of those uh, falls. Like, there was one where Johnny Knoxville's grinding, rail grinding, uh, uh, 50-50 rail grinding. And then he falls and like basically just smacks his hip uh, onto the floor. And so I wanted to ask about that because I actually had a friend that had a, a hip surgery from, from playing tennis. And so, I mean, how, how much of an impact can we take to our, to our hips? Because again, I, I saw that one and I thought like, oh, he's for sure they need a stretcher. This is going to be a whole procedure. And, and yeah, he seemed like he was okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over.
1: Here we go. Back to the show about science. Yeah, the the hip is, you know, like the pelvis bone is kind of what we would refer to. It's made up of two main components. You have the pelvis girdle itself, which is the actual bone. If you feel your hips, that kind of sticks out. Um, but then you also have the top of your leg bone, the femur that's coming into the hip. There's this big ball and socket joint. So, Um, Unless you guys are playing like full tackle tennis. uh, It was probably some type of like a ligamentous injury uh, You know that that would would result from that Uh, But when you're talking about like falling on the hip that to me is more of like the pelvis or the bone um, in that area and one of the one of the issues is any ring structure Um, You know, it spreads the force around a lot, uh, just the way Mm. that the force is transmitted through the bones there. So, you know, I I would defer to like an orthopedic surgeon as to the specifics or where it breaks the most common. But what can happen is you can get breaks at a lot of different positions just based on the force traveling through that. Um, So while it's a very strong bone and takes a lot of force, when you do break that, it's a a sign of a very uh, serious injury and then it's just person dependent obviously things like how much you weigh you know we see a lot of times like overweight patients do end up getting injured more when they fall because there's just so much more weight coming down on the bone Mm. Um, but on the flip side for something small you know if you have a lot of tissue over the bone it's going to feel a lot less painful than if you're you know very skinny and you hit the bone directly on something that's going to the, be very uncomfortable. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's one of those things that like if he falls from standing height, you know, it's not likely you're going to break your pelvis from that, um, you know, around the height of standing, um, in an average healthy person. Uh, but it's, it's going to hurt like crazy. Okay, cool. Um, I, uh, I wanted to ask
2: about the muscle stimulators also. There's a scene where they put these muscle stimulators first on this guy's chest. And then eventually we all know where it's going onto their genitals. And so, I had to ask, you know, just number one, if you even can like support or sign off on muscle stimulators in general, are they, you know, safe, effective, and
1: sh- what happens when you put them where they don't belong? Sure. Uh, I think nothing that I say is official medical advice, but I'm happy to talk about the uh, the devices. Of course. Um, you know, they, yeah, of course. They, um... <laughs> They, they, they provide a small electrical current through the muscle. Physical therapy has been using these forever, and um, they use them in different ways to to target muscles or to like rehabilitate uh, muscles after an injury. And I think they've, they've been using them for a long time without any issues. So at, at low um, doses, I think they're absolutely fine. Um, the idea is that they stimulate muscle, and so there has to be electrical current passing through a muscle to cause it to contract, and that's essentially what's happening there. Um, putting them on the testicle would not cause any, there's not much muscle. There is a very small muscle that kind of lifts the testicle, but that would not be uh, uh, helpful. So that would just be purely causing pain. Um, And they do, it's, you know, it's electrical current going through your skin. So if you ramp that up, uh, no matter where you put it, it's going to hurt. And I'm sure you've messed with it at, uh, you know, I've been in physical therapy too. And, you know, you're kind of, maybe I'll put it up another notch and it starts to like, everything tightens up and it hurts and it burns. And so that's, you know, the slow progression of how painful electricity can get. Um, So I think as a whole, in the right application, they're probably safe. But, uh, you know, obviously misuse is a different thing.
2: What about holding it in? And I'm talking about when you have to go to the bathroom. What is the science behind that? One uh, character, (laughs) it's not a character, he's just a guy, normal guy being filmed, uh, has a a stunt he's trying to pull off where he has to go to the bathroom in a public place and he... (laughs) doesn't pull it off correctly because he goes too early
1: <laughs> so can you tell me about that uh the biggest issue with with intentional withholding of of going number two or stooling uh is just really severe constipation um so i mean if somebody has laxatives and things like that obviously they're that's gonna win at some point. Um, but it, we see this a lot more in kids actually. They, they'll have like a painful um, constipated bowel movement. They don't wanna go again because it hurts and they don't understand. And so they'll actually hold their stool uh, and won't tell their parents or you know whatever it is for a couple of days. And it becomes a really wow. big issue because that stool will just continue to back up to the point where it is now so large and firm like we were talking earlier, if it's much bigger than a normal stool that comes out of the rectum, it's not gonna come out. And so at that point, you have to, to do something to get that out. So, uh, you know, the same goes for adults. And we see it, unfortunately, in, in older folks who maybe aren't uh, with it as much anymore, um, where they're, you know, withholding uh, unintentionally. And it's the same thing. It can cause, you know, very severe constipation, um, ultimately to the point, And we do see this where it will stretch the the walls of the rectum and actually thins out the tissue there oh. and basically causes inflammation to the point where the stool can kind of start to pass through um, the the membrane of the wall and start to cause an infection around that area damn yeah that's yeah.
0: serious it's
1: serious business <laughs> this is serious business uh
2: yeah absolutely yeah. Um, i went to the
0: hospital once for something like that
2: what happened yeah if yeah, you don't mind to, me asking
0: yeah, yeah yeah uh i was like 15 years old and i remember i just had the worst stomach pain i've ever had in my entire life and I was freaking out. I was like, I, I've never felt anything like this to the to to a point where I was like bent over. And like, my mom was like, we're going to the hospital. So drove me to the hospital, went to the emergency room. Literally, like, I'm like 10 out of 10 pain. I'm like, this is something I've never heard of. This, I, I have some sort of horrible disease. And went to the doctor. They're like, what is it? It's just right in your stomach. They're like, okay. They gave me an ultrasound. And they're like, huh you look like uh you might be a little backed up and i was like what are you talking about and they're like we're just gonna try something and
2: (laughs) don't want (laughs) to hear that (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: and so they gave me an enema and Mm. and then they they wheeled in like sort of like a porta potty they wheeled in like a little portable toilet put it by the bed and they're like if you can't make it across the hallway just right across the hallway to the bathroom. This one's right here. And I was like, oh yeah, like I won't be able to make it to the bathroom across the hallway. And then, (laughs) dude, like 30 minutes later, like clockwork, because they were like, oh, in 30 minutes, you'll probably be, dude, I had to to hop off that bed so quickly. And I didn't (laughs) even have time to close my hospital door. There were like nurses walking by. And I'll tell you what, I'll keep it PG. I relieved myself, dude. And then I literally got up and I was like, let's check out. I'm good. Like, I was fine. I feel great. I was <laughs> yeah. fine. And that's all it was. I couldn't, I literally couldn't believe it. I was like, how did I not know this about myself? Like, I, I'm like, I'm like 14 wow. years old. How did I not know I had to, like, go, you know?
2: Yeah. What well, I mean, Crazy. Did, you, did they, like, uh, did they try to get to the bottom of that? Like, was it something... Like a you diet thing, or
0: I, I don't think they were trying to dig any further. They just, they just, yeah, just sent me on out of my there. way. Yeah, yeah. They're like, get out of here, have, man. We have real problems. Yeah, stop wasting our time, bro.
2: Okay, so again, this is not stuff I, I'm dying to ask about, but I got to do it. We're talking about Jackass, and there's one of the most difficult scenes for me to get through was the yellow snow cone. Uh, a man urinates into snow he puts it into a snow cone container and he eats it i'm sorry for saying all of that to you i hope you guys are not eating while listening um but yeah what i i it it did come up for me in my head of like oh well how bad is this actually like because people say that urine is sterile uh but uh, i wanted to throw it to you
1: yeah so your own urine is relatively sterile um you should not but could technically drink your own urine um it has such a little water percentage after like that's the only survival thing oh i'm gonna drink my own urine like there's a very low amount of water left in your urine so it's not going to do that much for you wow. um and there's a lot of other by- byproducts and breakdown things in there that you don't really want to be drinking but technically speaking as long as you like don't have an infection going on um it it should be relatively sterile. um and again, as long as it's your urine, you probably don't want to be drinking other people's urine. Um, I guess what you do in your own time is is up to you. But uh, yeah, of the things that they do, I think that's actually probably one of the least uh, least harmful ones. It's certainly not pleasant to watch, but uh, uh, I don't think it's nearly as harmful as some of the other things in there. Wow. Okay,
2: awesome. So this isn't official medical advice, but Dr. Adam Goodkoff is telling you probably don't drink your own urine or someone else's urine.
1: I'll put that official. Probably you should not be drinking your <laughs> yeah. own urine. That's that be that would be good. Officially, um, probably. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, stool is the other one that that's uh, really more important to mention is that that should not be going anywhere near uh, your mouth. That is very very harmful and dangerous. And there is bacteria that is always in our gut and that is always in our stool. That's okay because it's in it's past our system already. But if you put that back in from the top, you will get very very sick. Uh.
2: On that note, I, I want to thank you both so much for, for joining the show and for watching uh, this uh, fantastic film, a classic film. Um, I really did <laughs> weirdly enjoy it. I I've, I've enjoy all of them, I got to say. But, um, but yeah, uh, Cole, if there's anything you want to tell people about, please do so.
0: Uh, anything to tell them about? Well, you know, a formal apology for all the things I brought up to everyone uh i definitely uh of everyone brought up the grossest things so (laughs) like even said if you were eating during this i I i cook a lot while i listen to podcasts so i'm sorry if i ruined your dinner uh but other than that i had a great time and uh adam you are the coolest
2: yeah he really is dr cool um where can people find don't tell comedy i mean i assume they should all go see these shows
0: yeah don't tell comedy is uh we got shows all around the country most major cities some smaller ones as well you can check us out at do you can hit us up uh on instagram as well pretty much all social platforms at don't tell comedy and then you can find my stand-up at uh on my instagram as well which is just at cole takes photos that's it
2: awesome at Cole Takes Photos. Thank you so much, Cole. I appreciate yeah. that you brought up those personal things, being an open book here on the show. Uh, and Dr. Adam, something you want to tell people about?
1: yeah uh the same i hope you weren't uh, weren't eating because my <laughs> sense of what is nasty has totally gone out the window uh i'll do those things and then go eat uh while at work so uh i'm used to it all but uh, i hope that this was you know helpful or, or I- entertaining and educational for folks it's been a pleasure um you know to talk with both of you ethan and cole appreciate your time and uh we have the same you know if you want to give give a follow it's over uh, at see the med life on instagram and tiktok and we have the youtube channel which is just the med life and uh have some exciting new stuff coming on YouTube here in the spring too. So if you like health and explanations, there's going to be a pretty exciting opportunity coming there. So just follow the social media for for information as we can release it. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. An
2: absolute pleasure to talk to you. I hope you guys do follow him and and, uh, and stay healthy, stay safe. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.